Please join me in prayer. Holy triune God, we thank you for your presence among us today. Your spirit of joy, your spirit of peace, your spirit of righteousness. We ask that you would pour out your spirit in and through your people gathered here, that we might understand anew the mysteries of who you are and who you call us to be. We ask that you would help us to grow in complexity and consciousness. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this morning for Trinity Sunday, I'm going to talk a little bit about suffering and decay. I know it's not a cheery thought and a little ironic considering the joyful spirit that we're gathered in today, but sometimes we have to begin with what we know. And one thing that most people agree on is that suffering, decay, is, it's a fact of life. Sometimes this is explained by what scientists refer to as entropy, the gradual decline into disorder. As one African novelist put it, the fact that All things fall apart. All things have a tendency to decline, to descend into chaos. Ancient people knew this. Modern people know this. Especially people in the second half of life. We know this quite well, don't we? As we start to notice the wear and tear on our bodies that eventually leads to death. I say we because technically... Uh, Being in my 40s, I can see over the hill now, even though I don't think of myself as quite being there yet. Every day, even I notice some ache or pain that makes me wonder if I'm on track to make it to old age. And I know more and more people for whom suffering is simply a daily reality. It can sometimes seem like there is decay everywhere, in bodies, in relationships, in institutions, death is always knocking at the door. Now, for those of us who are in Christ, we know that this need not be our focus. Death doesn't have the last word, after all. There is hope even beyond the grave. But what do we do with all the suffering and the loss in the meantime? How do we endure the chaos, the decay, the downward spiral? Well, one thing that helps me is to contemplate the triune life of God, which is the focus of this Trinity Sunday. I've come to understand that a growing consciousness of our place in the Trinity can help us to transform the suffering we experience. It's not by any means an easy thing to get our heads around. Nothing regarding the Trinity is, of course, but I'm going to take a crack at bringing you in on it anyway. What may be for some folks a new perspective or a different perspective on Christian faith. Much of what I'll say in the next few minutes was developed by a man named Teilhard de Chardin, a Jesuit priest of the 20th century. I found it to be consistent with much of the ecumenical theology that has come out only recently. So it's a perspective that's both ancient and current. And I don't claim to understand it completely. But that's okay because neither do those theologians. One of the paradoxes of the Trinity is that we can never fully understand the full nature of God. It's a mystery. And yet it's nevertheless a good exercise to try. 
Because God seems to want us to grow in conscious awareness of who God is and what God is doing. This is part of being in relationship with God. We're to grow up into the full stature of Christ, which means our understanding of God and creation and history, they're constantly growing and changing and evolving, even if we never fully arrive. For example, let's consider the the basics of Trinitarian thought. God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A more contemporary gender-inclusive version would be Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. We've recognized over the last century or so that God is both male and female. This is the image in which we humans were made, both female and male. So creator, redeemer, sustainer may be a better way to think about it. More about what the persons of the Trinity do than maybe what they look like. This in itself could be a form of progress. And I personally like that language better than some of the other physical metaphors used to explain the Trinity too, like the whole water, ice, and and steam image, for example. Maybe you, you know how like when teaching children, sometimes we say, is, say God is, is like one substance, H2O, in three different forms, a liquid, a solid, a gas. Or we might similarly say God is, is like a musical chord, a chord made up of three notes, C, E, G. Thank you, see? These images, a chord, water, They help us to recognize some of the threeness in God, a relationship between them, which is helpful for us. One implication is that we human beings are creatures who are made in God's image, meaning we are also made to be in community with one another. It is not good for us to be alone. And three is even better. As the writer of Ecclesiastes put it, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. There's another good image. One implication of this is that if we are to suffer, then at least we suffer together. And perhaps that way we will not be broken. When one part of the body is in pain, we are all in pain. Then another image occurred to me the other day. You know how there's three different uh, colors in a computer monitor? Actually, my son explained, to me, explained this to me. There's just three different colors of light in any computer monitor, red, green, and blue. It only takes those three colors to make all the images on a screen, all the other colors that we can easily see. So maybe that's another intent of the Trinity, to help us to see in color, to bring us more light, to enlarge and enliven our perspective, our vision, so that it's not just about us and our suffering. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. Then through the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, we become the light of the world. So perhaps God wants us as God's people to be more colorful and more aware of all the suffering that is around us so that we are not alone. This, too, is part of God's triune purposes for us. These are all different aspects of the Trinity, yet, of course, we know there's always more to it. Because Paul writes here in the book of Romans, 
that while that the whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters, that the creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. The creation itself, writes Paul. Or as some translations put it, the entire cosmos. Clearly, according to Paul, God is doing something really, really big here. Something related to ending suffering completely. God is expanding our vision, yes, but also interrupting the, the process of decay. Somehow reversing entropy, overcoming chaos, and somehow we as God's children are meant to be a part of it. Here's what that could look like in terms of the Trinity, the life of God. Consider the creation account. In the beginning, the earth was a formless void. The Spirit of God was there, hovering over the waters, and God decided to create. Let us create, said God. Let us put together atoms and molecules and bring matter together in relationship to form something new, something connected, something more like God. In the beginning, a creative process was set in motion, which Teilhard de Chardin referred to as the law of attraction, connection, complexity, consciousness. It's an upward pattern, observable in nature, that was written about both in science and in Scripture. How first the elements of creation were attracted to one another, like planets being formed from swirling masses of gas, Then the elements became connected in ever greater, more complex forms, minerals, then plants, then animals. And finally, creation itself became conscious through human beings, through us. And then we continued to follow this creative pattern. Attraction, complexion, or connection, complexity, consciousness, We human beings were attracted to one another as individuals. Then we made connections in groups. We built complexity through cities and technology. And then we became conscious of this creative process itself by studying history and anthropology, by building supercomputers and analyzing DNA. This upward process of God continues in us. And one way of looking at the good news is that God came to earth to ensure that chaos, that death would not stand in the way of this ongoing creation. Christ Jesus died to save the entire universe from the forces of entropy and decay. All things are now held together in Him, in Christ the cosmic Christ, and the Holy Spirit, whom we celebrated last week, this aspect of God was poured out on all sarks, all flesh, all matter, to permeate the physical world so that all creation, not just humans, all creation would be made new. 
so that there would be a new heavens and a new earth where God will come to dwell. Humanity will come to the highest level of consciousness for Christ will finally be all in all. The way some some early church theologians like Paul talked about it was that we human beings are now being lifted up to participate in the very life of God. We, in a sense, are now being made divine. Incorporated into the Trinity itself through the indwelling of Christ. So it appears then that God's goal is not just to be three in one, but to be all in one. All of us, all of creation, joining in the divine dance, sharing in God's eternal justice and joy and peace. This is also what Jesus meant when he prayed that they, that we might be one. As Christ is in God the Father and God the Father is in Him, so it shall be also with us, God's new children. We who now call ourselves Christ's body, the body of God. This is what Paul is writing about in this chapter of Romans. How the Spirit of God is already within us, calling us to this grand fulfillment of the good news. How all creation waits for it with eager longing for us to achieve greater connection, complexity, consciousness in the very life of God. And it is this promise, this hope we have that allows us to wait for it with patience, even with suffering sometimes. We can endure some decay in the meantime as we wait because we know that we have this future in Christ, that we are part of Christ's cosmic body, which is not fading away, but growing in complexity and consciousness partly through us. God has promised to make all things new, and it has already begun in us. In terms of our bodies, I know this may at times seem like a small consolation, when we ourselves feel the pain and loss of decay, when we lose others to death, it may feel like the waiting is not worth it. But one thing that I have found helpful in this particular perspective on the good news is the idea that nothing is wasted as part of God's creative process. Some parts of the body may suffer and die, yes, But like skin or hair, they grow back. In Christ, they are renewed. And as we ourselves are being made new, on the way from glory into glory, God makes use of all of our matter and all of our experiences. Even our various sufferings are incorporated into this cosmic body of Christ. As we are in God and God is in us, the Holy Spirit shares in our various aches and pains and hopes and dreams and losses. And as the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, creation itself joins with us in our sufferings 
with cries and groans, often too deep for words. They and we cry out with eager expectation, Come, Holy One. Come and set us free. The birds and the trees and the fish, the bees join in. Come, Creator, come, Redeemer, come, Sustainer. Make us whole. Make us one. Come and fill all the cosmos with your presence that we might be one in you. The breath of God that gave us life resonates with the the wind of the new creation, affirming that we too are God's children, heirs of God with Christ, and that even if we continue to suffer with Him, it is so that we also will be glorified with Him. And surely the present decay is nothing compared to the glory that is to come. For these present sufferings are but labor pains, preparing us for the birth of a better body, a life in God that is greater than we could have ever asked for or imagined. And so the bottom line, friends, is that things things aren't falling apart, no matter what it may feel like to us on any given day, we're not actually going to hell in a handbasket. Because God is and has always been at work in creation. Creator, redeemer, sustainer. And God is still at work in us. Lifting us up as the body of Christ. Assuring us that all shall be well. That all things shall be well. That all manner of things shall be well. This is the Trinitarian good news. The reality that makes our suffering in this world, if not insignificant, then at least a little bit easier to bear. Amen? Now then, I I suspect there's a good chance that many of you didn't understand a word I just said. And that is fine. If I lost you way back in the HCO, you know, the water analogy, that's okay. We don't have to understand the Trinity in order to love God or be loved by God. And if you said amen anyway to the end of my sermon, God bless you because that's how it's meant to work. We are the body of Christ together. And the way we grow is by considering these things together. So I now invite you to find a partner or two or three to talk about the Trinity. See if you can make a connection today. Build some complexity into your faith. Maybe you'll even walk away with a newly inspired consciousness. But any reflections on the Trinity, simple or or profound, are good. Any part of the what of it or the how of it are welcome. Take a couple minutes and I'll call you back with prayer. Go. Go.